guys, welcome back to Discourse from the Big Chair. I'm Steve Cuff, and joining me today, we got Steve Coleman, as always. Say hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. You're supposed to say hi, Steve. Get it? That's the joke. Oh, hi, Steve. Yeah, no one's, hey. ever, no one's ever done that one before. We also have a very special guest with us today. Sean Glynis is here. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for welcoming me on to the prestigious podcast, uh, the second most popular podcast on the Optimus Vaccine Network, as I understand it. What's What's the most popular podcast? Uh, I thought Rom Come On was correct. Uh, that's a jabroni podcast. Uh, I actually, I think if if you were to look at pure numbers, I think this is actually the most popular podcast, and it's definitely the most popular Tears for Fears podcast. <laughs> that much I do know. That is a hundred percent accurate. So we got that going for us. Anyways. Oh, God, there's a really loud car outside. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast for the very first time, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, hit stop right now. Go back, listen to the first episode. This is Discourse from the Big Chair, and what we do here is one year ago, we started a podcast because Stephen Coleman is a huge Tears for Fears super fan with a ridiculous amount of knowledge that borders on creepy sometimes, but most of the time it's just cool. I came to this podcast as someone who mostly... Uh, occasionally took jabs at Steve Coleman for liking Tears for Fears so much. And then a magical thing happened over the course of the few months that we did this. I became a Tears for Fears fan. And not only that, but we saw them live, and we decided to bring the show back because we had some loose ends to tie up that the fans wanted us to address. And we are going to see Tears for Fears in just a couple of days. We're actually, we were planning our trip right before I hit record. Pretty exciting. Although I am, I am disappointed. Uh, we we were trying to choose between three incredibly cheap hotels by the airport, and uh, we we had a choice between the one with the disgusting sex tub, um, the Ramada with the water slide, and uh, just the normal hotel. We went with the normal hotel. I think I think for me it would have sold me if we could have combined the sex tub with the water slide. Like the water slide just goes directly into the sex tub. Literally into the sex tub. That's exactly where I want. You guys hear those sirens outside? Oh yeah, I do now. You think I should close my window? Nah, nah just right. let it go. Let it go. All right, the sweet sounds of the city, right here. OptimismVaccine dot com, baby. Yeah. We're gonna hit her like the sax from Baker Street pretty soon. Yeah. This is actually uh, it's it's a it's a modified version of Mother's Talk. I I just I you know. <laughs> oh my God, that is loud. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, the cops are gone. They haven't caught me yet, so we should be good. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. Subway hey, burning? Speaking. I mean, I've heard of high time we made a stand, but high crime? Mm, yeah. Uh, speaking of audio issues, we had a few audio issues on the last episode, and i got to apologize for that. We recorded live, and we had kind of a weird setup. And for some reason, around the 20-minute mark, and I think, again, around like the 45-minute mark, we had a couple minutes of distorted audio. Kind of, I think you put it, we sound like robots underwater mm-hmm. for a couple of minutes. So if you download that podcast, go ahead and listen to it if you want. Um, fast forward past those parts or power through listen them if you're a masochist. Yeah, listen to them very carefully. Uh, I'm going to re-edit and re-upload the podcast and try and cut out that uh corrupted footage if i can so hopefully we'll have a new version of that up super soon should go up around the same time as this podcast so stay tuned for that steve what the fuck are we doing today what's the plan i'm sorry for my language too i know the tears for fears people get mad when i swear so oh wait wait, as a newcomer is that a real thing what 
Uh, that, that was, was a real thing. Yeah, that, that was a real <laughs> thing. Like, like people were like, "Hey, really like the show, but I wish you guys wouldn't swear so much." And I was like, "Oh, jeez." Okay, because I was like realizing it on the last one uh, how much you guys were like apologizing for your like. <laughs> yeah. So what, what we actually do? Swearing. <laughs> yeah, we we don't actually swear less. We just go, "Oh, we weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> we just yeah. do it anyways." Like I don't I don't mind the swearing, but just please apologize for it. Just apologize, you know, we're we're good people. I think the swearing makes sense on the other podcasts, but for, for Tears for Fears, the fans are just like, Come on guys. TFF it's doesn't not, drop those F bombs. It's not tears for swears. Yeah, it's not tears for swears. No. And and the tears flow when we make the swears. Steve, what the gosh golly darn are we doing with this episode? Well, this is very exciting because we have Sean here and uh I wanted to do something a little bit different since we've kind of run through everything i kind of want to rerun through everything specifically the proper albums mm-hmm. and we're going to just have sort of this round table discussion where we each discuss each of us gets one song from each album mm-hmm. and it's either a song we love maybe a song we don't love whatever song gives us the strongest reactions sure okay I and think maybe compile fair. like an optimism vaccine tears for fears greatest hits all right greatest hits are greatest songs you probably shouldn't listen to listen to <laughs> if if there's one that gives us like a you know a severe bad emotional reaction, I have a few of those. I think I'm going to try and keep it as positive as possible, though. All right, well you you want to go through this thing chronologically? Does that sound about right? Yeah, All sounds right. great. Let's do it, baby. Okay, let's let's go to my favorite album then. I love the hurting. I love the hurting so so much. I bought the hurting on vinyl. Can you believe that I did that? That's crazy. I was think there that, when it happened. I know you were there when it happened. You saw it happen. That's when you knew. That's when you knew that you were successful. Steve, what's your number one hot jam or the number one song that you don't want to listen to on The Hurting? What's your pick? Well, this was really difficult because I genuinely love every song on that album, save for maybe Ideas as Opiates. But Mm. um, it was really hard for me to pick one, so I was listening to the album in depth for the last few days. And the one that came out the strongest for me this time around um, was actually Watch Me Bleed. Really? That's yeah. interesting. I guess I just was listening to it so intensely. I was noticing things I hadn't noticed in a while. Yeah. I just I, I know the lyrics are kind of sophomoric, but they were incredibly young when they wrote the song. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of forgive him for that. And just the way he sings it and just the way the yeah, every single verse, like something new is introduced, whether it's the way he plays the guitar. I really like the uh, acoustics drums going along with the electric strumming Mm -hmm. it's just it blew me away like i kind of put that song in the back of my mind for a while but now i'm just like wow like this is really a lot more unique and intense than i've recently remembered Mm -hmm. i i I agree with you 100 on this one like this is one of my favorite tracks and like you i love 99.9 percent of this album and this song, the the lyrics are like, okay, and I think you could argue, too, that maybe, you know, going over four minutes, all right, guys, we can cut it back a little bit, but even that, that's nitpicking. It's, it's a great song. It just reminds me of, like, a, a, a poppier, more fleshed-out version of, like, a Bauhaus song to me, for some reason, and mm-hmm. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And the drumming. I got, like, oh, yeah. Manny Elias is a very underrated drummer. Um, it's just like an octopus playing those things. Mm-hmm. Man alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I I agree with you 100 percent on Watch Me Bleed, and I, I think we discussed this a little bit throughout the course of the podcast series. But uh, Tears for Fears rhythm section, man, you you, you got to give them a pat on the back. It's unbelievably good and totally underrated, mm-hmm. and especially on this album, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, how about you? What's your pick off uh, The Hurting? Um, I think I have made a definitive choice. Like, at first I was like, okay, P- Pale Shelter, um, it's a great track. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, and, and I also really like Change. I really like... Um, that weird uh like marimba yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, but i have to go i think the most meaningful one for me is memories fade oh yeah interesting all right um yeah there's just something about the chorus and um i i found that um and we'll discover this as we go along but uh when roland um sort of exercises or or yeah i guess like exercises like the most um like, I don't know, I guess talent, like in his voice, like when he really stretches um, himself to like hit these like notes and carry these yeah, rhythms with, with like almost basically. acapella. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like usually what I find to be like the most moving. And uh, he definitely does that with the chorus here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the whole beginning of this song is pretty much just him like doing his thing. So, yeah, I, I can see that for sure. God, this is yeah. such a good album. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's yeah he's got so a strange ridiculous voice like uh like a strange like uh hypnotic um feel to his voice that's like unlike anything i can remember from like um i guess like the annals of rock and roll Uh um i don't know yeah good choice well uh when i revisited this album a couple of things stuck out to me uh first of all i think I talked smack about Suffer the Children the (laughs) first episode i didn't go back and listen to it but i distinctly remember being like eh it's not that good and I liked it a lot more this time around, so I, I'm learning to love "Suffer the Children." Uh, if I if I had to pick one track on here that I'm not in love with, it's probably "Start of the Breakdown." Really? <laughs> yeah, and the reason is is because I believe that the definitive album closer is my pick, and it's "The Prisoner Baby." <laughs> Don't sleep on the prisoner. Man, you just saying start of the breakdown though, like makes you want to listen to that. <laughs> makes you want to like, <laughs> No, I, well that's the thing too. I love Start of the Breakdown, except I just I just want it to be track nine. That's all I want. I want the prisoner sure. to be track ten. That's all um, I want. Um I was gonna I was gonna say I forgot to say, uh on Memories Fade, also part of my uh, affinity for that might be the uh the whole like Kanye connection. What's and what is the Kanye connection? For those who don't know. Is the isn't that the one um, that he uses in um, the coldest winter? Coldest winter. There you go. All right. Yeah. Well, actually, goes. Your fear is live now. Like we will on Monday. They usually have like that Kanye tag at the beginning of that song when they perform it. Ah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm a bit predisposed. <laughs> anyway. I, I I only like the uh, Prisoner Seven Inch version. I'm sorry. <laughs> I only like Pale Shelter's like second version. <laughs> that's that's got to be the most pretentious thing you could say as a Tears for Fears fan, right? Like, oh, what's your favorite song? Be a legit thing to say, too. Uh, no, you know, wait, wait, I just like, like the original 7-inch version. Thing be like, I like the first version better. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> then, then you're totally wrong and just <laughs> shut the hell up. <laughs> Yeah, I I love Suffer the Children, but like just the instrumental version because it's just like it speaks to me. Like Roland doesn't need to speak for it to speak to me. And there is an instrumental version too. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just doing my impersonation of a music forum, even though I've never seen a Tears for Fears forum. I'm, I'm willing to bet Tears for Fears fans are not like that. 
At least I they're hope like, I'm going to do this for karaoke, but then they just stand up there while the song plays. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I, I would pay to see that. I, I got to say, though, like when we went to that concert, everybody was super, super nice and super cool. Tears of Fears fans are good people. You hear Small that? You hear that, fans? Yeah, all right. All right. You guys want to? You guys want to move on? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Songs from the big chair. Stephen Coleman. What's your song? What's your big pick from the big chair? That was horrible. <laughs> Pretend I never said that. Well, um, another very difficult choice, just because um, it's so short. Yeah, it is. Um, but and like all the songs are so huge, and I always say like, you know, part of the reason I like them so much as a band, have probably have been they've probably been my favorite band for so long, is just because the most ubiquitous songs, the biggest songs, I never get sick of. Even shout like I don't completely get sick of it. Um, but this was tough because my instinct was to go with the working hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I changed my mind and I went with Head Over Heels. Um, I mean, that song is like a definitive yeah. song in my life. Would you and say that, that just... like something happened and you, you changed your mind? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, like I kind of fell. <laughs> and it felt like my feet were over my head for a minute or that's, two. That's and... totally weird. Man, you got to be careful with that. You might end up broken. All right, enough of that. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us why you love this song, Steve. Um, I love everything about it. Um, whenever, uh, it's just, it's in my head constantly, even if I'm not thinking about it, it's just that piano motif and I, I, I like the lyrics. I like how, even though it's a love song, there's just like really sort of obtuse lines in it. Mm -hmm. Um, like he goes to talking about his mother and his brothers wanting him to be a doctor. What's that about? I don't know, but I like it. Yeah. Um, you, you like sexy librarians? Is that part of it? I do like sexy librarians, yeah. I Sorry. knew it. I knew it. This is Typical. Uh, confession time, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I do like the music video. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, if I were hard, if somebody asked me right now, like, what's your favorite song of all time? It would be Head Over Heels. Wow. That's some high praise. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna poke at you a little bit. This is probably the definitive Tears for Fears album, most would argue. Most would argue. I don't think I would argue that. But most people would say that, you know, from both a commercial and a critical standpoint, this is it. Songs in the Big Chair is it. Mm-hmm. What is one song on Songs in the Big Chair that you're not in love with? Also, no, 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 that you're not in love with. Also, no B-sides allowed, you cheater. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go I Believe... Good choice. Good choice. Um, I <laughs> like it. I like the lyrics, and I like the ambition of what they're trying to do with it. But I just think that I would have preferred another draft in the studio, mm-hmm. maybe another pass through. I, I have. Believe, I believe that's the right choice. I believe so as well. <laughs> I have a weird relationship with I believe because I don't. I, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent towards it, and I, and I obviously like I'm not a fan on the level that you are. I, I really love Tears of Fears, but. Uh, you know, I, not everything is, is is all great to me, even on their on their big albums like this. And I believe was one of those songs where I wouldn't skip past it when it would play, but I wouldn't get excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then after we watched those music videos, and I had to watch the music video for I Believe, 
All you think about is shirtless Roland. That's all I can think about is <laughs> Roland Orzabal, like slouched shirtless in a chair, like unbuttoning his pants for me. Uh, which, I feel which if there's for any be, chance that he's listening to this and we're doing this Mother's Talk hashtag campaign, yeah. just to troll you, he's probably going to like take his shirt off and sing <laughs> that song. If he did that, I would die. I would, I would be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> if he just like Morrissey'd himself and he just like took it off and threw it in the audience, I'd probably cry. Oh god. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening. If he is, Roland, I love you, man. Uh that music video was just it, it, he, I think you were uncomfortable. I felt how uncomfortable you were. Let's let's come to terms with that. Uh yeah, Sean, how about you? What's your what's your pick off of songs in the big chair? Um I think on most day well, shout extended mix. Um <laughs> I think on most days I would pick head over heels as well, but um, and and I, I think this is sort of a relatively new development in my relationship with Tears for Fears that everybody wants to rule the world is my favorite song on this album, um, and I blame Sidney Lauper for that. Oh, do tell. Um, it just has that very, especially like the opening that that like sort of lilting sound. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's like still a little like morose. Uh, it just has this this sound to it that um, that uh, I guess is is just very uh, similar to the to the Sydney Lauper stuff that I've been really into recently. And um, yeah, it just makes sense to me. But like I said, I think on most days I would pick head over heels. But then again, you know, shout is great. Working hours is, is also fantastic. But yeah. um, like when I first was. Um, I guess when I first realized Everybody Wants to Rule the World was a Tears for Fears song, like I was kind of taken aback. Like, um, <laughs> you, you know, like it, it doesn't, I, it, maybe it doesn't make sense to you, Coleman, just because you're, you're just so embedded in, in Tears for Fears culture. But um, it just doesn't, it's, it seemed to me not as, I don't know. There's just something about that sound that seemed like an outlier for them. And maybe that's mm. why this is just my armchair uh, culture critic coming out, but maybe that's why it was such a huge, like number one hit. Mm-hmm. No, I, I actually agree with that. I think they've even said as much like that. It just was sort of an odd song for them to do at the time. And it's grown to become like their most definitive song in a way. Um, but I mean, it, they almost didn't record it just because they didn't think it like suited their style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Well, thank God they did. Seriously, let us no let us right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is a this is a hell of an album for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it's it's fair to argue that everybody wants to rule the world and Ten Over Heels are both perfect pop songs. Like you'd have to make a pretty strong fucking a pretty strong gosh darn (laughs) counter argument to convince me otherwise. The perfect pop songs. This is also ostensibly a pop album that begins with two kind of slower-paced songs that extend over the six-and-a-half-minute mark, which is incredibly ballsy, uh, bordering on ridiculous. And at the same time, it, it, it all works, you know? I'm not completely in love with Shout, but I, I have immense respect for it. Uh, working Hour is incredibly powerful. I mean, we talked about, when we were talking about The Hurting, uh, just these moments where Roland's voice is sort of isolated, and it's just him kind of taking over the song and this is another great example of that for me though my number one hit jam is the namesake of our hashtag that we're trying to get trending <laughs> mother's talk baby come on how can you how can you deny this 
Also, I refuse to believe like people always get on Vanilla Ice for stealing uh, under pressure. But can we talk about how Vanilla Ice on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 soundtrack, when he created the ninja rap, how he clearly stole the beginning of Mother's Talk? Listen to this. Go watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Wait for it. Bump. Bump. And then, and then he's like, go ninja, go ninja, go. This is what happened. He stole See, it. I never noticed that until you brought it up when we actually did our songs from the Big Chair episode. Uh-huh. It's, and it's that's legit. all I hear. That's that's all I hear. It's so good. It's so good. Unbelievably good. Um, I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is sort of a callback, but uh, I wanted it, it's Steve. Do you think Cuff? Do you think that this is the first space, uh, this podcast uh, in your life since like working with the Boys and Girls Club, where you you've had to keep yourself from cursing? Uh, no, because I couldn't curse when I was a high school English teacher. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, at least not like all the time. <laughs> sure. Occasionally, you know. Yeah, uh, you probably did with the Boys and Girls Club too. I, I probably did. Yeah. Uh, that's you know those things happen. Uh, no, I, I wasn't. I actually I just read an article about a school teacher um, who who like got suspended. She's from like Ontario, Canada, and she got suspended without pay for a month because um, she she said like like kiss me where my booty stinks or something like that to a kid, which I think is a really unique way to insult a child. And then it was like, and last year she got suspended for a month without pay for saying these terrible things. And there was just this long list of horrible things that she said. And it's incredible. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, I was, a, I was a this? damn good English teacher. Ontario, Canada, man. Oh, okay. so we can't even have, uh, you know, hyper conservative people raining against the American education system. Uh, but enough about that. <laughs> Let's talk about the seeds of love. Let's sell them. I can't believe nobody picked Listen, by the way. Yeah, Listen's, uh, Listen's a hot jam. These are all hot jams. This is, a, this is an album full of hot jams. Come on. Except for maybe like Empire Building, but I guess that's okay. <laughs> Just the B-sides, man. Steve Coleman, what's your number one hit jam from the Seeds of Love? <laughs> Well, you better watch out, man, because this this is the one the fans get feisty about. Yeah. um, Well, I'll tell you this. I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, Sowing the Seeds of Love is probably the one I always come back to. I actually do have massive love for this album, um, but it's sort of hard to take things out of it and isolate them. I feel like the album works best as just a unit to listen to all the way through. Sure. Um, sure. Especially if you're introducing it to somebody new. And the best way to do that is with Sowing the Seeds of Love. Mm-hmm. But um, I got to throw out Woman in Chains, too. Uh. It's, I've had a very complicated relationship with that song. <laughs> um, oh, we're going to talk about our relationship with that song. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, guess who, uh, my, who gave my favorite performance in the movie Zombieland? Uh, Oletta Adams? Bill Murray. Emma Stone! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If, if I ever started a Tears for Fears tribute act, and somebody else can steal this if you're listening and you want to do that, I would call ourselves Menastone. 
<laughs> oh, I was going to say Emma Stone with exclamation point, but yeah, that probably wouldn't play too well. <laughs> but when I'd sing the song, I'd be like, Emma Stone! And people would be like, oh. Or they wouldn't even notice. I'm sure that would go great for you. <laughs> um, but back to Wooden Chains, I, I admire a lot of the song. I admire what it stands for. I admire the build-up. I admire the playing. I admire the performance, but... I just, I've never gotten to the point, and I've tried, but I've never gotten to the point where I've completely fallen in love with it, and I don't quite know why. With and I'm hoping chains. to work through that, yeah. Hoping to work through that today. I'm going to work through your issues. I'll, I'll mark marrying you. So uh, what, what was your life growing up? What was your father like? <laughs> <laughs> that was, no, that's like to- Tony Robbins in here. <laughs> what a Tony Robbins your life, yeah. <laughs> Clearly you have daddy issues. You uh, had a good mom. She fucked up. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Hey, she fluff or nuttered up, man. We're trying to keep it PG. Sean, I know you're going to pick women and women in chains. Woman in chains. The singular woman in her chains. Steve, I have a question for you. Yeah. What? How do you talk to a woman in chains? Uh, I don't know. It depends. If she if she's dancing around, you might not hear her very well because she's jingling. But you know. That's just my opinion. How do you talk to a woman in chains, Sean? Uh, read my column appearing on Monday. Um, are, are you really writing a column about woman in chains? No. <laughs> oh. Damn I it. actually really got excited for a second. <laughs> uh, but how do you talk to a woman wearing headphones listening to woman in chains? Oh, oh God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, yeah, woman in chains. This is... Woman in chains is... My all-time favorite Tears for Fears song. And I found it so odd, and I guess I still do, that it's so unlovable for some people. Um, Coleman, uh, the biggest Tears for Fears fan on the on the planet Earth, this little blueberry we call Earth, uh, <laughs> can't seem to love it. Cuff doesn't like it, do you? No, I don't. And I, I'm going to share that in a minute. And it's just such a beautiful song. It um, definitely is. I, I agree with that. Whole, oh, I mean, it's it's tape. definitely the best John Tesh cover I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, you fucking... And um, <laughs> I'll also say that um, uh, Sophie, who's also accompanying the, the three of us um, to the concert on Monday, yeah. um, she, uh, she's been a Tears for Fears fan probably longer than I. Um, also wasn't didn't seem to be like too taken with the song and, and then listened to it more um after i prodded her and um came to love it eventually uh or maybe she'd say like it but um mm-hmm. i don't know the, like i said uh, about memories fade there's just something about uh well th- there's there's a lot more going on that i appreciate but there's something about roland's voice and the harmony that he creates on his own that's just like very powerful um and uh ju- and also like um when i said that uh cuff when you said uh just saying like start of the breakdown or um just like hearing these titles um they have a knack for like incorporating those into the chorus in a way that's very like memorable that you like you can like i personally have a hard time like thinking up um what a song sounds like by its name mm-hmm. um but they have like a strange power to do that um and Woman in Chain seems to be the epitome to me, uh, where, uh, you know, I can't hear that 
title without hearing the song and, and Roland's beautiful voice. But I also really like the background singing a lot. Um, yeah. I don't know. Any questions? Uh, I'm going to say that out of all of the songs that we have listened to, and we we did this podcast like a year ago. We did, what do you do, seven episodes of it. And this song kept coming up. People kept asking about it. Uh, oh, really? We talked about it after the live show. We we I mean, we've talked about Woman in Chains quite a bit, and I feel like we still haven't talked about it enough. Uh, so there, there's something to be said about a song on an album, uh, an album that I'm lukewarm on, uh, a song that I don't really like, but yet it, it's still an interesting topic of conversation time and time you, again. You so I will give it that. I appreciate the musicianship. I think Aletta Adams has a beautiful voice. I just, it, it, nothing, it doesn't come together for me. We, I, I talked about on Songs in the Big Chair how they had the audacity to open with two songs that exceeded six and a half minutes and you know were a little bit slower paced. And this happens again in The Seeds of Love, but I think it's kind of the inverse of that where it, it the, the album has zero energy until you hit the title track, which I love the title track. Uh, but I think Woman in Chains for me is a misstep. It just it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't grab me. Uh, and Badman's song, I think it's too like session musician blues bandy, you know. Like it, it sounds like I don't know if Bob Dylan and Rick Danko were hanging out, just like drinking a case of whiskey, they'd probably play Badman's song. Uh, it's definitely it's their most showy moment mm-hmm. um, in a lot of showy moments. But, yeah, uh, I yeah. Um, although I, I do really like Batman, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, and, and again, like this, this has been brought up. Fans have brought it up. You guys have brought it up. I know I'm in the minority here. Uh, it, the, the other thing was is I've tried. I've tried so hard. You have no idea how many times I've listened to "Woman in Chains" over the past week, <laughs> and it's not sticking with me. And then Before, well, the, the, the live performance—they played it live. Uh, the going yeah. to California live performance, and I think I dislike it more just from seeing. That live performance, and, and that's no knock on Tears for Fears as a band, but that live performance in particular, it just drove me nuts because the band at that point, their live show had just swelled to this massive thing where it's just like, oh, we need two women who dance in the background, and we need a bongo lady, and we need this and that. It's like, guys, come on, just pump the brakes. Uh, th- that's weird because, well, well they played it... Um they played it when we saw them uh, last year in Sterling Heights. Sure, and which was a surprise to me. Uh, it doesn't look like they're playing it this year, but um, or at least they haven't yet. But uh, I was, uh, yeah, it w- I was taken aback, and I thought it sounded great. Um, but uh, I, I, I was going to say that I had uh, for a while a Spotify playlist that was called Dad Songs, and for a while this was the only song in the playlist. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is this is, a, this is a, that's a sad dad song. But but there's also like um, there's something about the fact that like it it like my affinity for it was so immediate and that was like juxtaposed with it being a difficult song for other people that you know it makes it a bit like territorial, not territorial in the sense of like um, like guarding it, but just like it feels like something for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels personal, I guess, in, in that way. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I'll add, um, oh, go ahead, Steve. I think with me, like, um, as I was getting into Tears for Fears, like, you know, as a young kid and then as a teenager again, it was just, I wanted to like it more than I ever did. 
And it, it still kind of is that way, although I definitely am appreciating it more and more. But it just everybody, like super diehard fans, always seem to love the song. And I think huh. maybe I mentioned it last time, too, or one of the previous episodes, but I remember being in New York. And they do the song at the show, and there's this guy who's just weeping and singing along to the song. And oh, I was just like, wow, like, I mean, that's cool, but like, I don't, I don't know if it would ever <laughs> move me that much. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> I, I, I went to a Morrissey like, show and it was like, about it. <laughs> hey, forget about it. Yeah. And then I ate a slice of pizza. Perfect. Nice. Yeah, I, I, style. I really felt that way when I saw Morrissey. I felt the same way. Like, there were all these moments where, like, all these adults were just openly like weeping and strangers were hugging each other. And like part of it's like, Oh wow, that's really cool that they're moved by music this way. And then at the same time, it's like, I feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in touch with my feelings enough to understand women in chains, I guess. <sighs> um, there's something else I was going to add about it. Uh, it's a good song. Oh, it's Steve's also, it's a, it's a good uh, song because you can use it. Um, in many different situations in your head. So, like, you, if you're in the grocery store and you're in line behind someone, um, you can just start singing, Woman in line. <laughs> yeah, is that something you do? You transpose it. Let, let, me, let me tell you about my thoughts on Woman in Chains. Not only is it it's not my favorite Tears for Fear song, it's not my favorite song on that album. I would argue that it's not even my favorite song with Chain in the title. <laughs> what is? It's, it's not even a, a top three Chain song for me. Is um, it your, would you rather listen to only Woman in, Chi- Woman in Chains for the rest of your life or only listen to Alice in Chains for the rest of your life? Ooh, uh, I, I guess I'll take, uh, I'll take Alice in Chains. You know? I, Ooh, I like, I like no, that Rooster no. song. Um, what about a chain, chain, chain? Yep, there you go. That's that's there number three. Two is uh, the chain, chain gang, and number one would be chains of love. So there By, you go. Uh, erasure. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna go with the version by <laughs> not Erasure, but okay. <laughs> we'll go we'll go with Erasure's Chains of Love. Yeah, let's let's go. There's with that. also a really good song called Chains by the Cookies, a uh, '60s girl band. Hey, there oh, we yeah. go. I, I was going with the Dirt Bombs Chains of Love that I think is a, it's a, I don't know, a re, a, like a cover of an old 60s garage rock song. I but. would like it if they did, like, Woman in Chain, Chain, Chains. <laughs> what if they did, Woman in Change, You Can't Change? That would be fine. I'd, I'd be much better than that. before. Have they really? It's like when they went from famous last words into uh, when the Saints go marching in. Oh, God, don't remind me of that. <laughs> oh god i was not happy when that happened during the going to california concert i know not i mentioned happy. the last episode but i just keep thinking of the one dude who's just like clapping and loving it and they keep going back to that same guy just for yeah. like one 40 second song that was the only like throughout all of all of the podcasting that we've done and all my cynicism towards tears for fears which has since changed I think when they played when the saints go marching in that was my only audible groan that I've ever experienced. <laughs> I mean, they do reference that song in the song they sang before it, so at least it makes logistics. Yeah, there's, sense. There's, there's they could action. do woman. They could do like woman and change. <laughs> Just that, <laughs> and then segue into change. That's what I was saying earlier. Where were you thirty <laughs> seconds ago? Oh, sorry. Oh my god. 
You were too busy concocting that in your head to see that I already dropped it. Oh, my God. Sean. Oh, Jesus. Let's talk about Elemental. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good segue. Steve, talk to me about Elemental. What's your, what's your hot jam? Is it fish out of water? <laughs> this wasn't this I mean I keep saying it for every album but this one was really tough because I I really like the album a lot but I've never had one song that I I guess like more than others I mean break it down again always sticks out um but I'm going to go for the titular track here the the titular elemental number 1 titular elemental yeah wow. Um, there's something very, uh, unique and twisted about it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of has like this, almost like a precursor, like a, a trip hop rhythm to it, mm-hmm. but then kind of goes into this, like almost like dancey pop song. And then there's just like his kind of ballsy wailing that he does on the album mm-hmm. or on the song. Uh, it's a very unique mixture. And I think that it's, um, a very different song of theirs. And it sticks out, I think, from the rest of that album as well. Sure. Um, and I just like it. It makes me want to play basketball. Well, fair enough. That's good. You play a lot of basketball, Steve? Not really. Uh-huh. That's what I thought. Uh, all right. How about you, Sean? What's, what's your hot jam off Elemental? Um, actually, um, for Elemental and Raul, like, I've never been like more than a cursory listen uh, over these, so I wasn't gonna like, I wasn't gonna force it and downgrade the podcast and try to sound smart in front of a bunch of tears of fears fiends. Hey, it's okay. I've I've said plenty of disparaging things about those two albums, so feel free. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna pass on these. You're gonna pass. Okay. You're gonna pass. Sean's taking the pass. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that you chose Fish Out of Water. Um, no, I uh, for me. It's definitely Brian Wilson said, just because uh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's there's there's so many songs in Tears for Fears repertoire where you can hear those you can hear their influences sort of sprout up and this is probably alongside with sowing the seeds of love this is like their cheekiest example of that and it's mm-hmm. such a good song and this whole album I I just I don't like the direction that the band is heading at this point full speed ahead into the, the territory that I'm not interested in. Right. And Brian Wilson said it comes at the end of the album and it's almost like Roland's stepping up alongside me, puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, Hey Steve, it's okay. <laughs> We're still doing cool stuff. It's all right, buddy. I don't hate Kurt that much. Well, I hate Kurt a little bit, but Hey, <laughs> which I think he did at this point, but they're bros yeah. now. So we're good. Yeah. Everything's all right. Yeah. I don't know, I'll contend that I think Elemental is a pretty underrated record. Um, I understand like your criticisms of it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I can still get behind it. Um, but I can I think the uh, sum is greater than its parts. All right. You know, a weird thing happened, Steve, when I was I was going back and I was listening to all the records, including the ones I don't normally listen to, and that weird thing was. I found myself when I was when I was going back through. I, I listened to Raúl and the Kings of Spain more than I listened to Elemental, which mm-hmm. I did not expect. And Elemental, it sort of I think it dropped in my power rankings. I think I like Raúl better. Whoa! I know, which isn't saying much, but uh, you know, it was a bit of a gap. <laughs> uh, but 
I, yeah, I, I well, don't know. Were you, were you listening to the Cherry Red 2009 Remastered Edition? <laughs> of Elemental? <laughs> of Raul. Of Raul? No, I, I, I listened to the version on Spotify, and then I listened to the version that uh, Gruno sent us. The, the mm-hmm. remixed, remastered Gruno version, which was pretty good. Is, do you think Gruno is listening? I believe Gruno is listening. Yeah, he might be. If he's not currently sure, he probably will at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve, what's what's your number one hot jam off of Raul? That one was really easy for me. I automatic, I always go to uh, Falling Down. Um, it's actually one of my favorite Tears for Fear songs in general. Um, but I think that um, a lot of the issues that I've had with the album as far as like production and some of the lyrics, I think it all works for Falling Down. It all comes together really well. It's sort of a bit of an aside for them too i mean it's a bit more i guess i hate to use the term bluesy because that would make it sound like i don't actually like it because i don't consider that like a compliment necessarily (laughs) but um no i i really like falling down a lot i always have um and it's a song that they still do live every now and then we might even hear it monday Hmm. um and i think it works i mean it's a bit more of a relaxed song it's a bit down tempo but then but then really picks up like in the secondary choruses it's yeah i'm i'm uh, i've always been on board with that song yeah um yeah. that's that's not a bad i and i feel like i don't know like the first four songs of this album might be where it's the strongest and then it kind of falls off around sketches of pain for me it doesn't really do it for me and certain songs on here, like Don't Drink the Water and Me and My Big Ideas, and basically the whole like back end of the record um, just doesn't does not do it for me. <laughs> not a humdrum and humble guy? I am not a humdrum and humble. Not, not at all, unfortunately. My jam on this album, and this is a weird one because, I don't know, like this album to me, it's so... When you listen to something like I don't know, Songs from the Big Chair, you, you listen to that album, you go, okay, this is definitely made in the 1980s, but it still feels like timeless pop music in a way. Whereas Raul and the Kings of Spain feels very mid-90s. Like, mm. it's... it's, I, And I, I hate to... This is going to sound very pejorative. It's it's almost like gin blossomy in its arrangement, but at the same time, <laughs> it's coming from Tears for Fears. So it's, well, it's, think... it's like these this you know brilliant musician, Roland Orzabal, and he's but he's just trying to make like 90s radio rock i i I actually i agree with that and i think a lot of that comes down to tim palmer's like production and i'm not even like saying like he did a bad job but i think that his style of production is like the sound of the 90s like he was sort of like one of the he was one of the biggest producers of that decade he You know, <laughs> he produced ten by Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. um, so like that type of sound was very pervasive, and I think that even more than like just like Roland Orzabal's work on this record, I think a lot of that sound can be attributed to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not always the biggest fan, yeah, of that style. There is one song on here that sticks out to me, and I don't know what it is about it because. I, I can't I can't like nail down one thing in the song where I'm like, oh yeah, this is awesome. The only thing is is the guitar lead constantly gets stuck in my head. Like if I'm just walking to lunch, you know, on or on my break at work or something like that, I find myself humming it constantly. 
I, I, I was whistling it the other day, and then someone said, what are you whistling? Which was a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that song is God's Mistake. And that was a weird conversation, because... My boss is like, "What are you whistling?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's like the it's just the lead guitar line in the beginning of God's Mistake." And they're like, "Wait, what?" And it's like, "Oh, that's the Tears for Fears song." And she's like, "The Shout Guys?" I'm like, "Yeah, the Shout Guys." But this was like ten years after that in the nineties. <laughs> it was a, it was a weird conversation. I really, really, really like this guitar part for some reason. It just it works like it's the perfect balance of of Roland Orzabal's tendencies in that 90s production and this is the part where it just kind of comes together and it works for me and it gels i don't know yeah i think god's mistake is a, is an excellent song i'm actually surprised that it wasn't uh that big of a hit mm-hmm. um, and i think more of that just comes down to like the record company dropping the ball of promotion yeah but i know um, I, I it seems it seems very of the time it seems like it could have been a hit or at least a minor hit at that point something yeah i th- I think just like the '90s was just like so adverse to like anybody who was popular in the '80s, like remaining popular unless you're like U2 or Bruce Springsteen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right, Steve Coleman. We're moving on. We are. We are. We're moving forward, and we're going to talk about everybody loves a happy ending because we're gonna we're gonna end on a happy note here with our podcast. What's your number one hot jam from Everybody Loves a Happy Ending? Oh, I really wanted to seriously pick all of them. Um, ah. I love this damn album so much. Uh, but I'm going to go with Last Days on Earth, the Ooh. lotion jam of the album. The that is lotion jam. Jeez. Um, when I first heard it, I just, it was... It got out the lotion. <laughs> right. But it, it was like the one song I always wanted them to do. And it was like just something that's like I wanted like that like <laughs> for some reason like that really just like sexy R&B number and they nailed it and I just everything from that I think it's like a Korg that has like that bouncing ball sound to it mm-hmm. um, I like the lyrics I like the way they sing it I like how in the when they get to the second chorus like all of a sudden the guitar starts chiming in ah everything about the song is just and it even like I think it's at like a five and a half minute running time, mm-hmm. I and it fades out really slowly, and you can just kind of hear them still playing in the fade out. I want to hear like the rest of that. I want ten minutes of this song. Yeah, this is a, this is a hot jam. It's a perfect album closer too. Mm-hmm. It just totally knocks it out of the park. It's even better than the Prisoner, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a really good choice, and almost one that I went with too. So I'm glad I decided to swerve at the last second. Sean, what's your hot jam? Um, I have, um, I don't have like the best relationship with this album. Like I like it and none of it sounds bad. Um, but a lot of it always sounds like either very heavily influenced by the Beatles or like nineties rock Mm -hmm. in a way that, that, um, doesn't feel as distinct as, uh, their seminal albums. Um, for instance, uh, when I was listening to Call Me Mellow, or any time I listen to Call Me Mellow, mm-hmm. I always jump to that Sixpence None the Richer song. Kiss Me? They, what's that? Kiss Me? No, There She Goes. There She Goes is the Laws, dog. Oh, the Laws, whatever. Well, Sixpence did do a big oh, cover. Did, yeah. did they do a version of it? I didn't know that. Yeah, 
Uh, anyway, um, but do, do you know what I mean? Like that chorus, like when it yeah, hits yeah, yeah. like the no, chorus. I, I distinctly remember when we discussed this album uh, the first you time. Came, you said that as oh, well. Yeah. Said the same thing. I was like, yeah, this is this is the exact like phrasing of that Laws song. Well, sorry I didn't listen to every episode uh, again. You probably should have. <laughs> I thought you were going to come prepared here. No, but um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, that in mind, I really like, I really like who you are. But even more than that, I think I like Secret World the best. That was like I was going like to try and um, come up with which one. Um, I was going back and forth between those, and every time I hit Secret World, I had like a better, I had a more emphatic reaction to that. It's just got this weird like um, anthemic uh, quality to it, like almost like proto, or I guess like contemporary, like Coldplay song, but like more interesting and 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 better and long lasting. And um, less like just uh, because it's Tears for Fears, it doesn't seem like of the moment, I guess, as mm-hmm. much. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I really like Secret World. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I I love the song. That was actually my pick as well. And I I feel like if I had to introduce somebody to Tears for Fears, and they were familiar with like the first two albums and the big hits and stuff, and they're like, well, what are they what have they done lately? I'd be like, oh. This is the song. Like this is the song that you show people to prove that Tears for Fears is cool in 2004 and 2016, for that matter. Yeah. Like this is the hot jam, and I'm glad you brought up the Coldplay thing too, because this is like if Coldplay wrote a song that I didn't hate, it would be Secret World by Tears for Fears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great track, and it also it really highlights this. I don't. Know, I, I like looking at Tears for Fears' relationship with like British pop music in general. And it seems to be kind of this, like, I don't know, almost like a call and response thing with them. Like, they'll do, like, a little riff on the Beatles, and then you can hear the trip-hop influences, and then I feel like Oasis and a lot of the 90s Britpop bands borrowed heavily from them. And then this album, it kind of, it almost responds to that in a way. So, it's, yeah, it's it's great. It's a great song. It's a great record. Yeah, I mean, the whole record, too, I think a lot of the point of them getting back together was to prove that they could just write good material um, and that they didn't want to just be lumped in as like the same band that did The Hurting and did songs from The Big Chair mm-hmm. even though those are still heavily revered albums I think that they wanted to prove that they could do like a good like guitar orchestra based album and I think that that may be why disappoint some people that it's not like quite as like identifiable as like some of their more seminal work Sure, but um yeah, I think that, uh, and for a while, I think they've dropped a lot of these songs from their most recent set lists, although they still play Secret World all the time, which is great. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think last time we saw them, they played a couple tracks. I think they played Secret World and they played the opening track as well. Yep, the titular track. Titular yep. track. Yeah. Which is another hot jam. Man, that um, album starts all hot with the alarm clock, the little Beatles reference. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Apparently on their um one of the recent set lists, they're playing Billy Jean. Really? Oh yeah. I've actually heard them do that once before. Yeah. Uh when I was in Vegas. They it was right after Michael Jackson died actually. Uh but they it's a very different version. Like other than the lyrics, you wouldn't know that they were playing Billy Jean. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, because their version of Creep was pretty. I guess it was a little slowed down, a little mellower, but and it's definitely the same with Billie Jean. But it's, um, I mean, it's almost unrecognizable. Hmm. Uh, 
So it'll be interesting if they do that again instead of Mother's Talk. <laughs> nope, they're going to play Mother's Talk. Which brings us to our final point here. Gentlemen, what are you looking forward to? What do you want from the show? What's the hot jam you got to have? What I'm not going to get. <laughs> what are you not going to get? <laughs> I ain't getting nothing for Christmas. Women in Chains? I think you might get Woman in Chains. Yeah, we got Woman in so? Chains last time. Maybe maybe you're you're a little too demanding with your your chains love over here. I I I'm just um it'll be okay if they don't. Like I'm just fortunate that that they played it at the last one cuz I wasn't expecting it. But um if if they don't play that, I think I would really like to hear Memories Fade. Mhm. That'd be cool. Mhm. Steve, how about you? What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing if they... I mean, I've seen them so many times that like most of what I'm going to see on one day I've probably already seen, which uh-huh. I'm comfortable with. I'm hoping they add at least one more song from Everybody Loves a Happy Ending. I have my fingers crossed that they're going to play Floating Down the River again. Ooh, that'd be cool. Um, and then, yeah, and maybe they'll tease us with something they haven't played in a while. It's interesting because this is coming up like the halfway point of the tour, so... That tends to be the point where if they're going to change up a lot of the set lists, they'll probably do it then. Sure. Um, and uh, they're also doing the iHeartRadio Music Festival two days before we go see them. So Aww. maybe they'll be rejuvenated and they'll want to like really shake things up too since iHeartRadio oh. Music Festival is just going to be like a nostalgia grab. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Vegas. Uh yeah, they're headlining well, with U2 and Sting and Usher. Ariana oh, Grande. I haven't heard of those acts, but that sounds fun. Um, <laughs> oh, that's cool. That That's exciting to me that um, that uh, there's good reason that they might shake it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to do any Cars covers, though, because, you know, Rick Ocasek likes to sue people. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, since I've only seen them once, I am excited just to see them again, and I I don't care what they play because last time was amazing. Excited about what are you excited about? I hope they have better merch this time. I would like some cool merch. That would be nice. It sucks last time. (laughs) I I wasn't excited about the venue. Actually, I think like this is going to be a a more intimate setting than the last time. Probably one of the more intimate settings that I've seen them in too. So that really excites me, especially if we get there early and we can get like a good spot. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. Uh, it looks like a, a nice venue, and it's definitely a lot smaller than last time we saw them. And even the, even the venue we saw them at wasn't that huge last time, so uh, should be awesome. But the one thing that I want to see, and I know they're gonna deliver, because Kurt Roland, I know you're listening right now, and I know you respect me the way I respect you. <laughs> Mother's talk, guys. You gotta play it. <laughs> if my mother was here, she'd say, "Guys, play Mother's Talk. Talk to me." Play Mother's Talk. Hashtag Mother's Talk GR. So, if you are listening to this show right now, if you are driving out to Grand Rapids as you are listening to this, stop what you're doing because texting and driving is dangerous. And you pull over and you load up that Twitter app. Finally, someone said it. I know, right? No one's no one said yeah. that before. I just I just want to put that out there. Take out your take out your little Twitter. Go to your Twitter account. <laughs> tweet at the Tears for Fears boys. Tell them what you want to see. You want to see Mother's Talk. Hashtag Mother's Talk GR. That's the hashtag. We got to make it happen. We have to make it happen. Also tweet at the Fat Boys. Yeah, you can tweet at the Fat Boys too if you want. 
Uh, or R.I.P. Half of them. Yeah, R.I.P. Half of them. They're just going to be a singular boy pretty soon. <laughs> the fat boy. Just the fat boy. <laughs> yeah, there can be only one. It's like Highlander. You got to cut off all the fat boys' heads until there's only one left. All Is right. that the fat boy that they sang about in that silver chair song? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That's the one. Okay, if you want to follow us, go to at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter. You can go to OptimismVaccine.com. You can also head over to iTunes where you can rate and review our show. We would love that. It helps us out so, 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 so much. If you want more people to fall in love with Tears for Fears the way you love Tears for Fears, the best way to do it is to give this podcast more visibility. And the best way to do that, give us a review, give us a five-star rating. And if you do that, more people will see our stuff. And the world will be a better place. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C-U-F-F. Mr. Coleman, where can we find you on the internet? I'm at Colmania. That is K-O-H-L-M-A-N-I-A. Beautiful. Sean, how about you? Mr. Glennis, M-R-G-L-I-N-I-S. Fabulous. All right, guys. So this is going to be our last show before the big show this weekend in Grand Rapids. And uh, I think we'll probably do a little wrap-up after that, and then you guys are going to have to hold tight until Tears for Fears puts out another album. We can do another podcast. So with that being said, we'll see you in Grand Rapids. Come have a beer with us at Founders. Yeah, come say hi. Yeah.